A very good day to you. I'm Howard Feldman, and this is the Sunday Synthesis Podcast with me, Howard Feldman, and of course, Dr. Anton Myberg. It is Sunday, the 12th of September, 2021, and uh, we have your questions covered. Dr. Anton Myberg, you're on call this weekend. How's it going? Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's going. It's a very different call to calls I've experienced over the last few months. Mm-hmm. The numbers are definitely down. Um, we've currently got six COVID patients in the ward. I repeat that six COVID cases, which is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. Most of these six COVID cases are patients that have been in the ward for at least one to two weeks. So from that point of view, it's looking pretty good. And please God, we maintain that for a long period of time. We were currently on 224 million cases worldwide with 4.6 million deaths and 201 million cases resolved. The United States has 41.7 million cases with 677,000 deaths. India, 33.2 million cases with 442,000 deaths. And South Africa has 2,854,234 cases with 84,751 deaths and 5,309 new cases in the last 24 hours a 10.7% test positivity rate, of which there were only 433 cases in Gauteng. The actual numbers in Gauteng now are at about 4.4%, which is dramatically decreased and goes with the World Health Organization guidelines of having your numbers less than 5%. All provinces in South Africa are now currently over their peaks. Um, the numbers in Gauteng are dramatically down. As I said, in hospital, there's about 2,870 cases with 549 in ICU and 274 ventilated. And if we look at the stats in a, in a province like Western Cape, they did a study in the middle to end of August, around the 14th to 20th of August, of the people over the age of 60. And they've got a population of about 720,000 people over the age of 60, of which 270,000 people were vaccinated, that's 38%. Of that amount of people, there were 712, well, there were actually 2,455 COVID cases, of which only of them 200 were, were amongst the vaccinated. So there was only 8% of that 2,455 cases were the vaccinated cases. Of the patients admitted to hospital, there were 729 patients, and only 30 of them were vaccinated. So that's 4%. And of the total deaths of there was 292, of which only five were vaccinated, which is a 1.7% rate of death. So there's no doubt about it. The vaccine works. The vaccine is doing dramatic things, and it's showing us that it definitely treats severe and critical disease. All right. So that is that is really good news. So if we pass the peak of, of the third wave now in almost every province, I'm assuming that we should be adjusting our regulations, because really, isn't it now the time that we should be living a little bit more of a normal life? because it might come a time again that we will have to be a little bit more strict, perhaps. So you're 100% correct. I think we're all waiting for the president to have another family meeting. I'm hoping it's going to be tonight. We're hoping it's going to happen and he's going to give us some good news and sort of ease the levels of the restriction. I'm actually not sure what level of restriction we're on at the moment. I think we're on level 5 billion at the moment. But we're no, hoping I think it's level 2.1 version 3. Yeah, so we're hoping to bring it down to maybe level 1.9 or something like that. Yes, I heard 1.9 is the way to go. Yeah, it's it's a nice variant, yeah. Yeah, although I have to say that I'm enjoying the curfew. The 10 o'clock, I think, is very healthy, and I think we should extend that permanently. Is there any chance we can do that? Somehow, I don't think that's going to last for very long. Uh, But uh, So we have to wait and see. But 
with the current figures and the way things are going, there's no doubt that the restrictions have to be eased. We need to, in some ways, learn to how to live with this disease, being safe at the same time, not neglecting the rules, but being able to live a bit more and be able to actually socialize a bit more, more safely. And as you correctly say, enjoy the time that we can mm, until, mm. unfortunately, the next wave occurs. And we are expecting the next wave to occur either mid to end of November. So, you know, you've got to say you've got to make hay while the sun shines. Um, that's very true because the sun is shining. Um, but making hay doesn't mean you've got to fill it with manure. In other words, right, we've got to make right. sure we, we wear our mask and we social distance. Mm. The, the other thing as well is that we're seeing a lot of anxiety, depression, isolation. This is the, the, These are real, real impacts of what's going on in the world that we're living in. We are living isolated lives compared to how we, how we used to live it. Surely that's why we need to get people, when we can, back to churches and mosques and synagogues, back to some form of, of, of community, connecting with each other, back to the office whilst we can. 100%. We need, we need to reform or remake our reality that we're dealing with and, mm. and actually make sure that it's a, a broader reality and a sort of a broader socialization in a safer environment. Yeah, I think that's uh, very, very interesting. Uh, a couple of questions. The World Health Organization made an announcement last week sometime that they would like there to be almost like a, a pause on COVID vaccine boosters until 2022 so that the so-called poor or developing countries can catch up. Can I get your reaction to it? Sure, that's a, quite a hectic uh, question and it's quite a hectic statement. And you've got to look at it from an ethical side, you've got to look at it from a hospitalization side, you've got to look at it from a, a medical side. There's so many different aspects and different angles to look at that question. If you look at it from, from my side, you know, you've got, to, you've got to understand, you now want to take a whole population and say, hold on, we've done so well in certain areas, we've been able to curtail the spread of the of the virus, but now we know that you're going to definitively need an extra booster. So we know you're going to need, let's say, three Pfizer's, but hold back because other people haven't got it. And then give yourself a chance to get another variant or give yourself a, a mutation and let you just make sure that other people are covered. And, and the ethics behind this are dramatic because we do know that the poorer countries need to be vaccinated. Mm, we want mm. that, but there's lots of vaccine hesitancy. And, you know, I was listening to a talk by Prof Shabir Mahdi the other day, and he was saying, we've got a surplus of vaccines in this country now. It's not like we don't have vaccine security. We've got vaccine security. So it's not like we have to hold back on vaccinations. But what he's saying, and I, th and I think it's a very important concept, is that frontline healthcare workers need to get the boosters. He said he's not talking about the general person on the street. He's not talking about uh, somebody who sits at home and sits in the office and has got uh, maybe one company. He's talking about the people who are there to protect the other people and You're prevent it. You're by that comment, by the way. Why do you sit at home by yourself? <laughs> maybe. And maybe I do want boosters. I want to play vaccine bingo. I want to collect the whole card, if possible. <laughs> yes, the whole, the whole card, hey? Yes. Uh, so, so basically what, what, what he's saying is that you want to get your bingo straight away, hey? Yeah, so, so basically what Shabir Mahdi is saying, and I have to agree with him, is that you need to protect your frontline workers because we know, and, and this is from, from data showing that someone who's had, let's say, the Johnson & Johnson or someone who's had uh, two Pfizer's, 
we know that the Johnson Johnson is extremely successful in protecting you from, from critical disease and severe disease. But what we also know is that it doesn't protect you against mild disease or infection. And that's why we're saying you need a booster. And he's gone as far to say, he said, everyone who's had a Johnson Johnson should get a Pfizer booster. And that's coming from Prof. Shabir Mahdi, who's a vaccinologist and an immunologist and who's really up there with all the, the criteria. Mm, mm. But once again, his, 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 his warning was what he was saying was that this is not for the general population. He's talking about the frontline healthcare workers. Eventually, right. we want everyone to have it. And right. that's everybody and everyone was going to need it. And especially people who have got chronic diseases, who are immune suppressed, who have got kidneys to failure or on chemotherapy or on things like that, they definitively need it. But we've got to be very careful how it's handed out because we do want, obviously, the broader community and the broader population to get vaccinated. But that's where government needs to step up and ramp up the vaccinations and start mobile vaccinations and start getting the vaccines out there and increase vaccine education and prevent vaccine hesitancy. Of course, the other aspect is that the healthcare workers were the first to receive it. So they've already, uh, there's already been many, many months since they have received their first shot. So even more so now that they might be exposed to, to people with, uh, with COVID, it, it seems to be very important. Right. Well, once again, we know that with the Johnson Johnson, you get immunity for about six to eight months at least, and maybe even up to two to three years but it's still not going to protect you against the mild disease or against getting an infection again and then you transferring it to other people. And that's the biggest problem. So if you're treating patients and you are looking after people, you've got to make sure that you can't transfer the disease to other people or reinfect other people. All right. There was also the announcement, which I thought was quite perplexing, that South Africa is getting involved with vaccine trials for children six months older six months and older, um, and uh, the and that's using Sinovac. I, I did uh, offer my daughter up as a as as perhaps, you know, a as a sacrificial lamb. I think she, we're looking at she, the wrong she, festival here. The sacrificial lamb. She refused. She refused. I don't know. The Jewish New Year. Yeah. Right. In my day, I, you know, we would never have refused our parents' request. Either way, um, uh, Sinovac for six months old older. Sure. Uh, Sure, sure. Another, another question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I think we've got to be very careful how we answer this question. I think the first important question we've got to ask back to you is to say is, does the Sinovac have good efficacy against the Delta variant? We don't know that yet. Mm, so mm. what are we actually, you know, testing? I mean, I know they've taken this whole trial and they're going to take 14,000 children throughout the world, of which 2,000 will be tested in South Africa from the age of six months to 17. We've got to wait to see what happens. I mean, if you ask me if I'd send my own child for, to be put on the trial, the answer is no. I would be one of those people who would want to see what the trial shows. Right. Would you send I'd your neighbor's child? Get them tested. I'm not saying which neighbor I would send. I happen to like some of my neighbors, actually. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I, I was just wondering. I was just wondering out loud. Okay. Um, the Anything new uh, on MU, on the MU variant? So it's interesting that, that, that we, we're only speaking about the MU variant now because already we're now we're halfway through the Greek alphabet with the MU variant. And it's not a new variant. Maybe MU, but it's not new. Uh, it's it's still known as a variant of interest. It's not a variant of concern. And I think that's the important point here. This uh, variant was discovered in Colombia in January. So now we are eight months down the line already. 
and it's still a variant of interest. It's not a variant of concern. It still is slightly more resistant to some of the vaccines. We know that. But so far, even though it's been detected in many countries in the world, it hasn't really shown its teeth, and we're hoping that it doesn't. Okay. My son is here from Israel, and he was absolutely shocked. Uh, he had to get, they've obviously got to get a, a clear test, a, a COVID negative test before they go back. And he was absolutely shocked at the price of tests in South Africa. And the question that he asked, and I think it's a, a very relevant question, is it costs us, I, I can't remember the price, maybe 650 to 850, uh, somewhere 150 rand, somewhere, uh, somewhere around there per test. I think our medical aids uh, will cover two tests per year. He says in Israel, if somebody's feeling a little bit fluish, they're feeling anything, they just quickly go get a test, make sure that they're negative and they carry on because there's no cost to them having a test. In South Africa, our tests are very, very expensive. Surely, and if you, if you do go to government, they also are quite schnorrer with, with giving the test. They need to make sure that, that you're really, really warranted before they give it. Surely we should be turning that on its head and testing everybody and not charging what I think sounds like an incredible amount of money for the tests. Uh, the problem with that is that you'd be in the queue every single day. I mean, yeah, like... That is so rude. There's got to be some sort of way to rationalize people getting tested. You know, you can't test, you can't just go on a whim. So, albeit that I think it's 100% correct what they're doing, that they shouldn't charge for a test during a pandemic. I think there's got to be some rules governing people who do go for tests. So, if you're not feeling well, you know, maybe you don't need a test, but it needs to be brought across through a clinic or through some medical practitioner to say, this person needs to go for the test. And it's easier for them to go for the Fair test enough. and have to pay for it. I yeah, think that's probably yeah. the more reasonable way to do it. Because in that case, then then even our positivity rates would be quite different because you'd be testing more people and you probably will get a better indication. Being so expensive, you're only testing people who, who have reason to be really a real reason to be tested. 100%. 100%. There's no doubt about that. And the more people you test, obviously you're going to get more, more positive results. You realize that. But that doesn't mean that they're sicker. It just means that they've got to be in quarantine or isolated. And hopefully you can start quelling or start decreasing the amount of spread if you put more people in isolation that need to be. Right. In terms of under-18s and Pfizer, uh, what, is the latest, what is the latest in South Africa in that regard? So I saw SAPRA put out a statement that they've given the go-ahead for the use of Pfizer or they, the use of Pfizer in the over 12-year-olds. Now, that's all good and well, but we've got to wait for the National Health Department and the, the government to condone the use of that. So I do see it's going to happen, and I, I still think it's going to happen sooner rather than later, and I definitely hope that it will happen uh, before November, or at least we can get these youngsters vaccinated. And it's important to get them vaccinated because we want to keep them at school. And you may ask why only the above 12 year olds, or at least the above 12 year olds are vaccinated. And if their parents are vaccinated, you've already then broken a huge chain of transmission between adults and children. And it's a way to curtail the spread of the virus. Mm. 
I don't know if you recall that last week, Sunday, we I asked you a question about uh, from Richard, and in fact, what had happened was they had that him and his wife had had uh, COVID, they then had the vaccine, they went on holiday locally with some friends who had come from Europe who had turned out to be positive. They had moved out, isolated, etc. Uh, we we spoke about that. Uh, we spoke about that last week. There's a bit of a follow up on the story. Richard said, "I asked you a question last week. My wife and I tested." Positive positive eight weeks ago uh, and had the first uh, Pfizer two weeks ago. We were in contact with the corona positive family members on a holiday at, our, at a holiday home. An update on the story is my wife and I started to get flu symptoms exactly six days after exposure. We are now full blown sick all over again. Could this be a different variant that caused this? The family came from Europe. Every Google search that I've done says that it's now impossible to be sick again within three months, especially with a vaccine, a one vaccine under our belts. So crazy. So I think we've got to take the word impossible out the equation here because nothing's impossible with Corona. We, we, we've learned that the hard way, unfortunately. I think what's interesting to note here and, and the, the actual end point of this whole story is the fact is that people have got the misconception that if you've had Corona, you've got antibodies that will last for a long time. That much we're not sure about. We believe that the antibodies will protect you for a few weeks post-corona. We're not sure for exactly how long, but this is your case in point, that if you've had corona and you've had it recently, you still are not 100% protected from getting reinfection. And whether or not this is reinfection or delayed infection, it's impossible to say. You know, It's unlikely it was a different variant. I mean, the predominant variant worldwide is Delta. The predominant variant in South Africa is Delta. It's unlikely it was one of the other variants so it just shows that you still got to be careful whether you've had it recently or not. You've still got to wear masks. You can still transmit it. You can still get the virus and you can still get sick. And it also shows that obviously one vaccine is not good enough to protect you. So don't be under any false illusions that with one vaccination, you are protected. That's very important. That said, it's interesting that, that one would have thought having had COVID and at least one of the vaccines, that would be a little bit more protected. Although what he, he's not saying here how ill they are. Hopefully, they, it is just a almost like a flu, given the fact that they've had both COVID yeah. and, uh, and And the, the point is that you'd, you'd really have to look into it very carefully. You'd have to do what you call a respiratory virus swap. See, there's no other viruses, nothing else mm. going on. And mm. see exactly what, what's actually going on and how ill they are. But once again, you have to be cautious, very cautious. A question from Johannes. He says, hi, Howard. Thanks for the awesome podcast. My question is, I tested positive on the 7th of August. I was admitted, admitted with PE and COVID pneumonia on the 15th of August, discharge on the 24th. Uh, COVID pneumonia got worse on x-rays 27th. I was put on a prednisone and antibiotics. I still have chest pain, shortness of breath, tired. I've had the J&J vaccine earlier, uh, earlier in the year. Um, it uh, says powers that that B say we can go for a booster shot, must I wait 30 days since positive test or 30 days from symptoms? So it sounds to me that, that you're quite sick. I mean, it doesn't sound like you were just in a, you know, a mild mm. case of COVID. Once you've had a pulmonary embolism and you're sick and cortisone and you need oxygen, it sounds like oh, you're you a serious is. disease. Yeah, so P is a pulmonary embolism. But generally what we're saying is people who have been very sick with it should wait three months, not just one month. It should wait three months before you get your, your, your booster. 
Right. So, so it and so because he was asking, is it thirty days from uh, symptoms or being diagnosed? But you're actually saying it's three months if you've been that ill. You must wait three months. Yeah. When you're that ill, you've got to wait a longer period of time. Okay, Johannes. I hope that answers your question. Uh, is there good news? So yes, there is good news. Um, as we can see, summer is definitely rearing its beautiful head. And we're all uh, wearing short sleeve shirts. Well, at least the young people are wearing short sleeve shirts and enjoying the summer breeze. Wow, wow. Um, the numbers are down across the country. Uh, we're expecting the president to give us good news and relax some of the restrictions. Soccer is in full string and Liverpool are going upwards and to the top. And uh, the vaccination numbers are increasing dramatically. And that's what we want to see. And that's what we're happy to see. And to quote, move in silence. Only speak when it's time to say checkmate. Wishing you all a good week, well over the fast, and be safe. Thank you, Dr. Anton Marburg. I'm Howard Feldman. This has been the Sunday Synthesis Podcast with me, Howard Feldman, and of course, Dr. Anton Marburg, wishing you all a wonderful week ahead. If you are going to be fasting on uh, later on in the week, please make sure that you are fully prepared for that as well and that it's safe for you to do so. In the meantime, send us your questions, subscribe below, and God bless.